Welcome to another episode of the Plant-Based Canada podcast. Join us as we talk to the experts to explore the field of nutritional sciences and how our food choices impact our health and the environment. We sit down with Canadian doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, athletes and climate experts to break down the evidence behind a whole food plant-based diet and discuss the practical steps you can take in your effort to shift towards a healthier lifestyle. My name is Zara Kassam and today we are joined by my friend Dr Julie Chan to talk about her personal journey and advocacy in plant-based nutrition. Dr Julie Chan is a plant-based naturopathic doctor, registered acupuncturist and founder of the Liberty Wellness Clinic in Markham, Ontario. The focus of her practice is to provide individualised functional integrative medicine to her patients. Combining medical diagnostics, her extensive knowledge in pharmacology, traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture, herbal medicine, lifestyle medicine, homeopathy and nutrition, she provides evidence-based therapies to help promote optimal wellness and disease prevention. She is also a passionate food, climate and animal activist and spends much of her spare time doing non-profit work as she believes human health is intricately connected to planetary health. Welcome Julie, we're so pleased to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me Zara. Okay, let's dive straight in. Let's start with a bit of background. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you found your path to being a naturopathic doctor. Yes, thank you for asking this question. This question really means a lot to me because um, there's a whole story behind it and I don't want to go too deep in because it's like a, my life story of how I became a naturopathic doctor. But my journey to become a naturopathic doctor, I think started way before I even knew about what the naturopathic profession was about. And when I really start thinking back, it, it really started in childhood. And now when I look back, I can see a lot of connections to my patients about, you know, their journeys of how they found healing and how many of them are lost in their journey because they simply can't figure out what's wrong. And that's kind of how my journey started is, so a bit about my background is I grew up in Scarborough. So I was born in Scarborough. Um, I grew up in a very traditional Chinese family. Um, so we were exposed to lots of the typical Chinese cultures and foods. And um, I always had sort of that exposure to that culture. So things like herbal medicine was always something very familiar to me. You know, my mom would always be concocting herbs at home. And so that was familiar to me. But I think what really marked the start of this journey was that I was kind of born in Canada, but in the Western culture. So I had this exposure to both different cultures and foods. And I had an affinity for the Western foods. So I grew up pretty much eating everything that I know today that I should never be eating. So if you think of the list of junk foods and everything you can think of from Twinkies to ice cream to every chip and chocolate that's been produced, I have eaten it before. So I was a major junk food eater growing up. And that I think was what's really started with causing a lot of my health problems. So as a young age, I had major gut issues. And this is what I see a lot of times in my patients, you know, they're only two or three years old, they're already addicted to sugars and junk foods. And that was me, that was me growing up. And I thought I had to eat dairy 
because that's what they taught us from the very beginning, that 25% of your intake should be dairy products. And that was foreign to my family because they had just come from Hong Kong. So they would buy milk and cheese because they were like, well, this is, this is the way that we're supposed to eat. We never knew that. We never fed your sisters and your brother any dairy because in Hong Kong, it was not customary to eat these foods. But Julie was born here. So you know what? She has a chance to do it right. So I would be drinking gallons of milk and yet having severe digestive issues, never made the connection. And by the time I was 10, I started developing pretty severe respiratory allergies um, to the point where, you know, doctors were like, you could become borderline asthmatic, um, but we'll see how you go. Here's puffers, take your antihistamines. Um, for about 10 years, I could not leave my house without taking an antihistamine every single day for 10 years. It was debilitating and I was known to be the girl at school who would have to carry a box of tissue with her. Like it was embarrassing, but that's how bad it was. But, you know, I think that even then I did not make a connection, you know, with food and, and my lifestyle. Um, so, you know, life carried on. I was very studious and I knew I wanted to go into science because I love science and biology and all that. And then hit university time. Prior to that, though, since starting the allergies came the infections. It was repetitive infections at a rate that my doctors felt something is wrong with your immune system, but we don't know what, but you are getting every infection that you come by. So I was getting bronchitis after bronchitis. I think in my life, I have been on dozens and dozens of antibiotics and multiple rounds of steroids. So you can imagine by the end of high school, I was not in great shape. But, you know, I pushed through, I got to university. I was like, I want to be either a veterinarian or I wanted to go into some sort of a healthcare uh, profession. And so I went to Uni University of Toronto. And I remember really clearly this was after first year. And I had to choose my profession now. Um, I went on vacation. I came back. And on the way home, I felt really, really ill. And, and I knew this was something different from what I had before. I didn't know what it was but I was very sick. So this was a kind of a, this was a very important time of my life because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my career, but I kind of knew the direction. And then I got really sick. And I think this was the turning point. So long story short, I ended up in the hospital. They didn't know what was wrong. They said I had some kind of viral infection, but you know, we're, we, we can't give you anything. We're going to send you home with more Tylenol and Advil. And at this point, I think I was fevering a very high fever that wouldn't go away for five, six days. And I had broke out in a full body rash. Um, they at first thought it was meningitis, but they said it's not. Um, so I was sent home with, with anti-fever meds, which I was taking already before. And so this was, this was now um, six, seven days in relentless fevering. Um, I, I don't even remember much of what was happening because I, I felt so ill. And my mom was the one who said, we can't leave you like this. We're going to take you straight to the traditional Chinese medicine doctor. And this one does acupuncture. I had no idea what that was. Um, but when I got there, she was the first doctor I have ever met who asked me, what do you eat? What 
Do you eat every day? What's your digestion like? How's your sleep? She went through my entire history and, and I was sitting there. I was so sick, but I, I was telling her this information and I couldn't believe I said, wow, she's the very first doctor that I have ever met who has gotten deep into kind of my health history, my food, my diet. And at that point, I still had no connection of, of, of thinking that nutrition, anything to do with my health. So after a few acupuncture appointments, um, I actually had my fever go away, my rash go away. Um, and, and at that point, I was completely sold. I said, wow, I, I need to learn what you're doing. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing with all these needles? So she would describe to me what she was doing. And I said, why are you asking so much about my diet? Because she said, Julie, the reason why you are so sick all the time the root is because you eat terrible. <laughs> and that's what she said to me. And I sat there stunned. I said, I eat like everyone else. Like everyone I know eats like this. Like we eat muffins, Tim Hortons, you know, donuts, bagels, cheese. Like that's the normal diet. She's like, you eat terrible. Like you cannot be eating dairy. So she put me on a diet, no dairy, no processed foods, she said, I want you to eat a traditional Chinese diet, rice, vegetables, and just a little bit of protein, but no red meat. She said, chicken and fish only, nothing else. And it was really difficult for me. But I said, you know what, I'm going to do this because I have to get better if I want to continue doing school and pursue my dreams. But that was when I started looking up. I want to learn ac acupuncture. It was really the acupuncture that got me motivated um, to learning more about natural medicine. So then I found that there's something called the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, which happened to be eight minutes from my house. So it, it was just perfect. I was a type who did not like mornings, waking up, getting, you know, commuting and all that. And I went to U of T. So every day it was like an hour commute. And I said, this is eight minutes away. I said, this is meant to be. <laughs> so I enrolled. And seeing this acupuncturist Chinese medicine doctor was my first transformation. And then entering into the naturopathic college was my second transformation. Because through those four years, I truly learned what real health, what it really meant. You know, health is not simply the absence of disease, but it's wellness at the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical level. And I realized when I went through the schooling, how many things were connected with one another in our body and never realizing it. Because, you know, when you're sick, if you have a gastrointestinal problem, you see the gastroenterologist. When you have, let's say, an ear problem, you go and see the ear doctor. But actually seeing how everything is connected and most importantly was seeing how my gut function was directly connected to my sinuses and my allergies and how that was connected to chronic infections and so forth. And slowly through my schooling, I started to heal myself. And I still remember one of the, you know, the, the mandates, I say the rules. And I think that's like with medical doctors, right? First is do no harm. But there's one that says heal thyself is unless we heal ourselves, we really cannot heal others because we, we just, we need to work on ourselves. And so those four years were truly transformational. That was my second big transformation in my life. And that's how I became a naturopathic doctor. Wow, that's absolutely fascinating. And you said so many amazing things within what you've just said. You know, health, 
wellness is not just an absence of illness. I love what you said, that it takes your emotional, spiritual, physical uh, health all together and they're all interconnected. I love it. So how come you became an advocate for plant-based nutrition for health? I hear what uh, you said about your um, practitioner telling you to give up dairy, but not, she didn't tell you to give up fish and chicken. How come you uh, then went into plant-based nutrition? So plant-based nutrition was not taught in the naturopathic college. And so at that time, during my school years, um, what was big was what was called the anti-inflammatory diet. So it was very much like a gluten-free, dairy-free diet, no eggs, no red meat, no coffee, no sugar, and no processed foods. So it was a pretty clean diet. And so for years, you know, I used this diet with my patients, especially those who had um, chronic infections, but pretty much anyone who had a chronic illness, I put them on this so-called hypoallergenic anti-inflammatory diet. And it helped a lot of people get better because we were removing some of the most offending agents like dairy and eggs and red meat. Um, and I followed this diet too. But a couple of years into practicing, and I've been practicing for 15 years now. So, you know, all the recommendations have morphed and changed so much. So I think about three, four years into practicing, paleo was coming in. You know, that was when it started getting really, really popular. People were using paleo for autoimmune disease, weight loss, you know, obesity, anything you can think of. And so um, shameful to say, I was one of the people who started thinking paleo is awesome, right? High protein, low carb, you know, that sounds like it makes sense too. And I started learning about it and saying, hey, you know what? I always like to try things on my own. I always try it first before I recommend it to patients because, so, you know, for me, safety is most important. So I actually put myself on the paleo diet, but I still followed what my Chinese doctor said. I stayed off red meat. I stayed off dairy. So it was mainly like seafood and chicken and fish that I ate most of, but I ate a lot of um, soy-based products also, but not as much. So, you know, I thought I was doing everything right. And I was helping a lot of people. My practice was growing. It was, it was going really well. Um, and then, but, you know, there was always something that I felt, hmm, I feel good, but I don't feel still at my optimal level, but I think I'm doing everything right. And I remember in 2013-ish, I started feeling really ill. Um, and it was not an infection, but it was starting to have major palpitations. My resting heart rate at any given time was 100, even when I was sleeping. So I couldn't sleep. I was losing weight. And already I was running through my mind. I'm like, okay, this isn't good, right? I think I know what this could be, but let's see. Um, but I started having things like hair loss and severe anxiety, what felt like anxiety. And I said, all right, I got to go see my doctor. I, I have a feeling something's wrong with my thyroid. And the results came back. And he says, you have either thyroiditis, which is an infection, an inflammation of your thyroid, or you have Graves disease, which is hyperthyroid. And I remember just sitting there feeling extremely traumatized at the time because I thought I had gotten myself to a place of wellness and optimal well-being by that time. And I, I think I just couldn't believe that I was having another illness come on. And something that I remember in school, um, that when I learned about Graves' disease, it was the one disease that I said, I hope I never get that. <laughs> 
it is simply, it is, it is extremely uncomfortable and you'd feel very unwell with graves. Um, you don't feel well at any moment in the day because there's nothing to relieve that racing heart and all that. So that kind of was my second, the start of my second transformation was getting sick again. And later on, they did confirm that it was not thyroiditis, that I truly did have Graves' disease. And I had to be on medication, which I did not react well to. Within a few weeks, I developed drug-induced hepatitis. So they had to stop the medication, which meant that my all my symptoms were, were just continuing. Nothing made it better because they said, we can't give you anything until your, your liver enzymes calm back down. So I was left with no treatment until things had calmed down. And they said, Julie, there's only a few things we can do. There's only one other drug. If it doesn't work, we may have to do you know, radiation therapy. And at that point I said, how did I get it? How, how did this happen? You know, how did I develop an autoimmune disease like this severe and I never even caught it? And it kind of made me revisit everything in my life. And at that point, you know, it was kind of my, my one of my low points in life, I remember. Just feeling really discouraged, feeling that, you know, I, I thought I was doing everything correctly. Um, what am I doing wrong? And my sister, my sister's a dentist, and she was saying, Julie, I think we need to do a detox. You know, I've been thinking about this for a long time because, you know, I'm exposed to amalgams all the time. Why don't we do a detox together? Seven days. Oh, it was 10 days, I remember now. And it's a vegan juice fast. And let's just detox and maybe you'll feel better. And I said, you know what, let's do anything. I said, at that point, I'm, I'm willing to try anything to try to get myself back under control. So we embarked on this 10 day juice fast together. This was a huge transformation for me. I don't know what was going on. I think I have an idea, but as I was detoxifying my body physically, I started feeling something shift. It's almost like an emotional mental realization that I was not aligned with myself. My actions were not aligned with my beliefs. They were not aligned with what I truly felt deep down was right for myself. And this kind of goes back to high school because I tried to go vegetarian vegan for three years. But at that time it was so discouraged and difficult and I had no friends or family around that were plant-based. Um, so I eventually, I just couldn't keep up with it. I didn't know how to cook. I relied on my family and they did not encourage me to be vegan or vegetarian. My dad had a, a Chinese restaurant for 27 years. So, you know, you have to eat your animal products. That was sort of what we learned. But at that moment during my fast, um, my juice fast, I came to the realization of something that I am doing something that's damaging to my body. I'm still eating animal products, even though I am um, eating a lot better. I'm still eating shellfish, which is inflammatory. I'm still eating chicken, which most are factory farmed. I was trying to eat organic more, but still I would be eating tons of non-organic chicken products and eggs. And after that 10 day fast, I told my husband at the time, I'm going vegan. He was like, what? <laughs> He's like, excuse me? I said, I'm going vegan. I said, I need to drop, I need to change my life completely. I need to do something different and drastic. I'm going to cut all animal products out because that is what my body's asking for. 
And that's what he did. And guess what, Zara? Within about two months of going plant-based, my thyroid finally started calming down. And this was already me being on medication for eight months, but still not achieving that level of stability that the doctors had wanted. I was still having symptoms, even though my blood levels were normal. Um, but after a few months of being completely plant-based, I can say I almost felt like I was back to myself. And that was about six, seven years ago. And since then, I have been doing a lot of research about plant-based nutrition. It's really become a passion of mine. Um, I, I now run a plant-based naturopathic practice. And I can tell a little bit about what that means, you know, in a bit. But that's why I have become such an advocate for plant-based nutrition. Well, Judy, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, it's a common story that people... Um, find so much benefit on a personal level and that's what changes them to offer it to others that's absolutely fascinating mm -hmm. and interesting that you and I both became vegan the same year oh really <laughs> so when you were educating yourself about plant-based nutrition uh, what what are the most surprising things or what were the most surprising things that you learned I think what was the most surprising thing for me was the false information that we are fed um, every single day from since I was a child about nutrition. And I realized that everything I knew about nutrition was from propaganda type of marketing. They were from commercials. Um, they were not evidence-based at all. You know, even the Canadian food guide that we had followed was heavily influenced by the dairy industry. And that shocked me, that angered me, that actually made me look even more into food and not just animal product foods, but all foods. You know, what are they doing to their food? What are they adding to it? I learned about genetic, genetically modified foods and pesticides, herbicides. And I think I, I became very angry at one point that we have been deceived and most of us are. And when patients come in, I have a lot of compassion and empathy for them when they come in and they say, well, don't I need to drink milk? Doesn't my child need to drink milk for calcium? And I see them as victims of misinformation. And I really try to sit down with them and tell them about a bit about my story, how that was what I used to believe, but it's not true. And I try to give them the evidence and it's, it's transformational. And a lot of them come back and they like, I, I can't believe it. I read that book you recommended. I read that study you recommended. And why? Like they start asking me, why did they recommend it then? <laughs> People get very upset because we trust the media. We trust the news. We trust our doctors. But all of us have been misinformed in some way. So that was the biggest shock for me. I think that was the biggest surprise as I went through the journey of learning that, you know, dairy really isn't necessary in our life, um, that eggs have more saturated fats than we need daily, even if you eat one a day, um, learning about what animal products and meats does to us when we intake it to our arteries and how it can cause diabetes. And I think that all shocked me because these, were, these are foods that we've been taught were necessary for life. But in fact, they were taking our health and wellness away and years of life for many people. 
And for my next question, I think you've touched on this already. You know, you do run a plant-based naturopathic practice. How do you incorporate plant-based nutrition into your consults and how receptive do you find your patients are to the plant-based message? So many of my patients, I would say majority are not plant-based, um, but thankfully now I think most are, they understand the concept. They've heard enough about it. There's a lot of attention now because of, you know, the promising research that is shown, you know, for the benefits of plant-based diets and lifestyles. So, you know, when I mention it to my patients, and I'm very transparent, even on my website, on my bio, um, it says I'm a plant-based practitioner. And really what that means is that, you know, I always give every single patient a nutritional consult. And I've always have. Every patient of mine never escapes a diet diary, a review of what they eat, a review of their sleep, history and we go through pretty much their whole life you know I go through their mental emotional well-being but diet is a big one so that has been since day one of my practice but what's different now is that the nutritional recommendations I give are completely plant-based versus before it could have been like a hypoallergenic diet but you can have some chicken you can have some fish now that's not to say that if someone won't be plant-based that i won't see them i work with people where they are at and many of my patients say i can't become 100 percent plant-based and i say that's okay but i'm going to teach you how to eat more vegetables how to eat more vegetables and plants and fruits and nuts and seeds because i see you're not eating enough of any of those and some people don't even eat any nuts and seeds. So getting them to start filling their diet with other foods will slowly help to crowd out those animal products. I also teach them how to replace their animal products with, with things they love. So if they love cheese, I give them recommendations for plant-based cheeses that are healthier. If they really like to eat, let's say, um, high protein diet, some people are still really into this high protein diet. I at least try to get them into plant proteins first because I explain to them how damaging a high animal protein diet is to their health. And they're very receptive. Like I have to say, I haven't really had many patients who object. Somehow I think they know. They do know when they don't eat well because they don't feel well. I said, if you were eating right and you're feeling good, you wouldn't be here to see me. And they know that. And so I think I have to say the reception has been um, incredible. Like I have to say in the beginning, I think I was a little worried when I said, I, I, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to put it out there that I'm a plant-based practitioner. I thought that it would deter a lot of people from getting help, but I haven't seen so, which is wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful to hear that. And I really hear what you say about people being receptive. And similarly, when I counsel my patients, they are a lot more receptive than I had originally anticipated when I first started along that path as well. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. So we know the nutrition advice in your profession is not uniform, uh, nor is it in, in my profession or other professions in the healthcare world. And in fact, the recommendations from other healthcare practitioners can be the polar opposite. We're talking paleo, as you mentioned, or keto or other low carb diets. How do you reconcile this discordance of your views with others and explain to patients who might have already been convinced to follow those other diets? How do you reconcile that? 
So usually it starts off with a patient coming to see me who has been to another practitioner. And I've had many of these patients who uh, were placed on a ketogenic diet or a paleo diet. And usually they start off with saying, you know, I kind of want to stop. Or can you give me a second opinion if this is the right diet for me? And I ask them, why is that? Because I really want to just open up the discussion. I, I don't want to sway their opinions in any way. And they'll tell me they're not feeling well. I had one patient who was following a ketogenic diet for two years. And she was a, a female who eventually lost her periods after about nine months being on a ketogenic diet. So it completely disrupted her hormones. She was breaking out. She lost weight, which was the original goal. And after I hear all the stories, I say, well, first of all, have you went back to your practitioner to tell them? Because that is a really important step. For me as a practitioner, getting feedback from a patient is one of the most important things. If I gave a recommendation and I have a lot of people coming back to me telling them they're not well, it makes me question that therapy or diet. And I look into it and most of the time I will stop using it because we have to do no harm. We have to figure out why people are not feeling well on a therapy that maybe we believe is good, but in clinical settings, we're not seeing that benefit. And so I always encourage, I said, even if you leave your previous practitioner, you don't feel aligned with them, it would be very beneficial for you to send them an email, leave them a voicemail to tell them why you're leaving and, and express um, that you are feeling these side effects. So that's what I try to do from the patient point of view first to try to help their practitioners because really hearing from the patient, I think, is the most important. Then I work with them. Then I, I work with the patient directly themselves and start to understand what health conditions are going through. And I explain to them why they're feeling unwell and how these diets actually work and how they damage their body. And they usually come to a very good and clear understanding after that. From an interprofessional uh, uh, you know, point of view, I tried, um, I'm trying my best to sort of educate my own profession um, about plant-based nutrition because I know that their education in this area is not strong. In the naturopathic college, as I said, they teach sort of things like anti-inflammatory diets. I know they, I, they may have started teaching things like high fat, like a ketogenic diet. So they're exposed to it. But a lot of it, I think, is after people start practicing is that they start picking up on these type of things from maybe other colleagues, or maybe they tried it themselves, they feel it works, and they start giving it to their patients as well. But it's not evidence-based a lot of times. So I um, started a CE course at my college, and it was the first plant-based nutrition course, and I tried to present as much as I could during those four hours. Um, I think I had almost 200 references, you know, so they know, you know, this is all backed by good research. So a lot of people have been attending, attending it. I think, I think there's good feedback. I have had lots of people who started emailing me asking for preceptor positions to see if they can preceptor with me, <laughs> but I'm not taking preceptors at the moment. So I think there's interest. I think there's rising interest. And I'm thankful that now it seems like plant-based nutrition is really taking hold in our society and more and more people learn, are learning about it. And of course, you know all about this, Zara, is the Canadian Food Guide has completely transformed 
right? They've completely taken out the dairy category now. Thank goodness, finally. Yeah. So it's much more in line now with the evidence that we see. So I really think that the information is out there. It's whether people are looking for it or not, or if they're reading it. That's wonderful, um, Julie. And I know just to clarify, your plant-based nutrition course is at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and that is Canada's leading naturopathic medicine education provider. So it's so great to hear that you're doing that. And I know you're so passionate about education and um, you're actually doing a deep dive into keto and low carb diets as we speak, because you're preparing to, to be a speaker at our next um, Canadian plant-based nutrition conference. So we're so excited that you said yes and uh, are speaking there last weekend of May. Yes, thank you for inviting me for that. I'm really excited. I think we need to share this information to the world. Um, and practitioners need to make uh, more well-informed decisions. And I, I have to say, I, I know every practitioner, their goal is to help their patients. You know, they're always thinking that this therapy is going to help. But sometimes, you know, in clinical settings, we see completely different things from what we read or what we think an outcome would be. And so I am more of a clinician than a researcher. I take the research. I often, as I said, try things out myself first before, if I can, if it's a therapy that is safe for me, I would try it out first before I try it on my patients because I need to see what effects it could have. Um, and so I think I'm really excited about this conference. Thank you, Julie. Well, we're gonna to change topics now. So you do a lot of work for animal justice. You are the founder of a nonprofit, Peace for Cause. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can find out a bit more about that? Yeah, so Peace for Paws is actually in partnership with Animals Asia Toronto. And I started this actually shortly after my 10-day vegan cleanse. I think during that cleanse, not only did I become plant-based myself, um, it really transformed me in that I started feeling much more connected to the world and the suffering in the world. And understanding that our health is not just connected to what we eat, but we are connected to everything in this ecosystem, which includes the animals and the climate and the environment. And um, I didn't mention this, but uh, I study a lot into environmental medicine. So I've been practicing environmental, environmental medicine a lot. So I deal with people who have heavy metal poisoning, who have been exposed to chemicals and, um, and things that, that are hindering their system and neurotoxicity associated with that, endocrine, uh, endocrine toxicity and so forth. I deal with lots of patients with ADHD and, and ESD and it's really interesting to see how many of them do have high mercury and high lead. So there's a huge connection between our health and the environment. And how that ties in with animals is that I realize that, you know, people are eating animals and it's making them sick. And there is such a deep connection between them and us. And when I think about them, and as a child, I always loved animals. I had deep connections with them. I started rescuing cats since I was 10 years old. I picked up my first stray, took, him, took her home, made my parents keep her. And before I knew it, I had six cats with us. And, you know, my parents were great. They, they let me do that. So I, I had lots of animals growing up. And they are more like us than people know. And I have so much love and respect for them. 
And I felt that, you know, I'm helping people to get well and to have this awareness, but they need our help too. And I just wanted to give back to them. You know, they have given so much to us. We've taken so much from this world, right? Resources, animals, and and water, fresh water, air, everything. What you know, we have to give back. And so my way of giving back was starting Peace for Pause. It actually was a school club that my niece had started. It was an animal rights club. And I love the name. I thought it was super cute. And I said, hey, Leanna, let's, let's just register this. And let's just see where it takes us. Let's just have fun with it. I didn't want anything too heavy because work already can be quite heavy. I said, let's keep this light. Let's help animals wherever we can. So we started Peace for Paws and our mandate, our mission is to advocate, educate, and fundraise. So that's what we do. And Animals Asia is a huge organization. Uh, they are the main group rescuing moon bears from the bear bile industry. And so I encourage those who don't know about this to really look into it about the bear bile industry. It's been going on for a very long time, for decades. Um, and they're the main group trying to stop this industry, but they are also helping to end um, animals in captivity, um, the cat and dog meat trade. They did a lot of work during COVID pandemic right now, like there were lots of people who were abandoning their animals and they were helping a lot of people with their pets and, and, and so forth. So that's my way of giving back. That's sort of what I do in my spare time. So yeah, if, if people want to look it up, they can go to www.peacefur and it's furpause.org and they can learn more about my organization. It's amazing. It's quite amazing how you find, find time to have a family, a full-time profession, and uh, run a non-profit as well. Okay, so I want to speak now to the last sentence in your bio, and you've already, you've touched briefly on this. You've said, human health is intricately connected to planetary health. And I remember, you know, this really takes me back to when we first connected. We were in an email conversation in one of our professional groups, and we were talking about the specific question of whether we as healthcare providers should be speaking to planetary health or not, mm. whether that was our position to do so. And you so beautifully articulated your position, which so mirrored my thoughts that I reached out to you and said, you know, hi, Julie, you don't know me, but do you want to go for coffee? <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. But, you know, you and I both very strongly feel that as healthcare professionals, we should be advocating for planetary health uh, for many reasons. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I remember telling you that, you know, our first mission is do no harm. You know, as doctors, we have to do no harm. And in the beginning, I thought it just meant do no harm to your patients. But really, when I thought more about it, and even in our college, they touched upon the environment, they touched upon, we have to drink clean water, we have to eat clean food. But what does that mean? You know, how do we eat clean food, have clean water. It means we have to stop damaging the environment, right? It means we have to stop exploiting others. And so when I started thinking about do no harm, it meant way more and way beyond at a personal level, at a patient level. It meant that we have to be very conscious of, you know, what we select as therapies. Is this therapy going to cause a lot of damage to the ecosystem? Um, is this going to cause pain and suffering to others? Because one thing that I guess 
it doesn't really sit well with me is that whatever therapy that I use will cause a lot of pain and suffering in another living being, whether that be a human or another animal. And so in my practice, I try my best to source as green of products as possible, as eco-friendly, responsible, eco-responsible companies, and those that minimize or do no animal testing or use animal products. Because really, everything we need for our health can be found primarily in plants and plant foods. And a lot of times you will see animal derivatives because they're cheaper, not because they're better. So I started looking at our health in a much broader sense, is that if we as humans want to be healthy, we also need to make sure our environment is clean and we cannot keep intoxicating everything around us. If you think about people who are getting sick today, it's not just the red meat that's making them sick or the dairy products, it's what's inside, what's been added inside. There's antibiotics, there are often lots and lots of cleaning agents that they have found, right, in, um, in these things and also I know that um, you probably have a talk about this, but zoonotic diseases, 75% of new infectious diseases are from animals and they kill millions, if not close to a billion or 2 billion people. And look at this pandemic that we have right now, right? Where did it come from? It came from animals. So we are really connected to the entire world from animals to the environment, to the climate. And, I think that sort of um, was a realization I had in, in 2014-15 and it's completely transformed the way I practice as well and how I live my life. We're going to switch topics again. It turns out that my favourite vegan bakery, the Vegan Danish Bakery, is run by friends of yours and that you yourself love baking and can be found there baking in your spare time, whatever spare time you <laughs> might have. Let us know a bit more about that. Yeah, um, the Vegan Danish Bakery um, is run by this beautiful family, and we've had the pleasure of getting to know them really well. We actually started off as customers, and then later when we started our, non-pro- our nonprofit, we really started talking more. And they've been just so supportive. You know, whenever we needed to do any kind of fundraising, they would they would be like, you know, we'll donate you baked goods. And um, my nieces started working there as part-time workers. And, you know, one day I just thought, I'm just going to say it because I, I just need to. I just offer to volunteer because one of my passions is in cake decorating. I love baking. I love cake decorating. And I just thought, no, I'm just gonna throw it out there. They might think I'm strange or weird, but you know what? I'm gonna do it anyways. And you know what? Right away, they were like, we are desperate in need for a cake decorator because they don't have enough hands. When can you start? Can you come this week? So that's sort of how I started going. And it's sort of my passion and my hobby. And um, it's it's unfortunate, but because of the pandemic, I haven't been able to go uh, for over a year now. But And I also have an 18-month-old. I didn't mention that, but he he's kind of prevented me from going too far from home. Um, but, but prior to that, I was there a lot. You know, sometimes it's funny, people will find me there. You know, I'll pop out and I'm in an apron and it may be a patient. And they're like, oh my gosh, Dr. Chen, (laughs) what are you doing here? (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's so much fun. I love it. I think that it's great to let people know that vegan food can still taste extremely satisfying and it can it can definitely satisfy people's sweet tooth. <laughs> Well, Julie, on that sweet note, I think we'll draw this episode to a close. But before we go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? So if anyone has any questions, um, they can reach me by email at info at libertywellness.ca. They can also visit my website at www.libertywellness.ca. Thank you so much, Julie, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This episode was hosted by Zara Kassan. Thank you to Clint Stamatovich, our audio engineer. A very special thanks to Dr. Julie Chan for speaking with us and sharing her insights. And of course, thank you for listening. The Plant-Based Canada podcast is an initiative of the group Plant-Based Canada, which aims to educate the public and health professionals on the evidence-based benefits of plant-based whole food nutrition for individual and planetary health. To learn more about the show, visit our website, www.plantbasedcanada.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Until next time.